0: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Sights on Sinnoh. My name is Will. And I'm Brady. And we are here again to talk about the Diamond and Pearl anime as we lead up to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out later this year. As always, we are jumping into the vast and tumultuous story of the Diamond and Pearl arc here as we follow Ash throughout his journey throughout the Sinnoh region. And this week, we have a special episode featuring his second gym battle in Eterna City. So, this is a region I know you haven't explored before, Brady. And this is also a city in the games. There's a few different things in it that I'm very curious of your thoughts on. Because it covers two plot lines throughout this episode. Ash's gym battle and another one with Team Rocket. Uh, but overall, what were some of your first impressions on it?
1: I was excited to get another gym battle. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, I guess I didn't get the first one. I got the contest. That's what it was. So I, it. I feel yeah. like it's a, I had the contest and then this gym battle. So I feel like those are pretty big episodes and they're fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. I will say that it's very interesting to see this one compared to the first gym battle because that one, it wasn't like a f- the full battle taking over all this screen time, but it essentially took over four episodes, and this one is only one.
1: Yeah, and I, I noticed that, too. Um, when I first saw that it was just one episode for this podcast today, I thought maybe it wouldn't be a gym battle because they're usually, or at least from my experience, it seemed like gym battles are at least two episodes uh, so that Ash can get his butt kicked and then come together with his Pokemon and figure something out and then go back and win. Or cry enough to get the badge one of the two,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure that out and thinking through all the gym battles in this region. And I think only this one I'm pr- um, this one is the only one I think takes up the full episode. Like there's some other ones where we see the star and then it just leaves on the cliffhanger for the full up battle to happen in the next episode on the following week. But I think this is one of the few where it's just like the whole thing is just completely condensed in here and you don't really need much context. Because you were there for the first time that we saw Gardenia this season, but did you feel like it was necessary to what we see throughout this episode?
1: Are you saying was it necessary to introduce her earlier?
0: Yeah, like does it add much to to watch those episodes before watching this one, or is this one kind of standalone and open for anyone who just wants to jump in and see this?
1: Yeah. So I think that you could just jump in and watch this. Uh, There would be some, maybe some background things that you would not be able to pick up on for not having that experience. But I feel like Pokemon likes to do this idea of Ash meeting the gym leader Mm -hmm. and either losing their, Or just the gym leader seeing his weaknesses, and then in the battle later on, he overcomes those weaknesses, and it's like, oh, cool, Ash learned something, Mm -hmm. Um, and his Pokemon learned something. And so I think even though this episode isn't like four episodes long for the gym battle, it helps kind of build that same suspense, knowing that he's already lost to Gardenia Mm -hmm. before.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I would 100% agree there. You can pretty much watch this solo, but having that context of him losing to Gardenia already adds a little more tension and um, a bit more understanding in how Ash is approaching this. In a few of the ways that I actually didn't appreciate when I watched this episode by itself a few months ago, actually. But after the Gardenia one, which we'll talk about later on here... I know some cool details that they even point out here, that which make more sense having watched both of these episodes together. But before we dive right into that, I'll give a quick summary on it. For episode 37, The Grass Menagerie. The time has come for Ash's to the gym battle, where gym leader Gardenia, who's a grass-type Pokemon expert, sets the stage. The battle will be 3-on-3, three three, starting with Ash's Turtwig against Gardenia's Cherubi. And this is the return of two of the Pokemon that we've seen Gardenia use up to this point, which are Cherubi and her Turtwig, which you'll see in a second. But it starts off with uh, Turtwig trying to land a hit on Cherubi, but it's just really fast and keeps avoiding all the attacks here. To which uh, Brock points out that it's due to Cherubi's special ability, Chlorophyll which, of course, boosts a Pokemon's speed when it's sunny out. And in this case, there isn't, like, a sunny day setup or some kind of explanation for, like, why Cheruby's especially fast here. But the implication is that the sun's just bright out today, so Chirubi's fast. And they're really taking advantage of the fact that this gym battle is in an open-air arena with no roof overhead. As someone yeah. who plays VGC, what do you think about this <laughs> display? <laughs> Exactly. So um, I
1: love that they brought chlorophyll into it. So lately, I've been playing a Venusaur team, and Venusaur. Same, runs- actually. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, and so the hidden ability for Venusaur is chlorophyll, and anytime it's in the sun, it's so fast, so much fun. Uh, so it was, it was nice to see, uh, Cherubi like that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a Pokemon that I think people overlook a lot just because it's not the strongest, but kind of showing its power in terms of speed here uh, really evens out the be- the playing field a bit more. And we see it actually go in for a solar beam, which Churchwick is able to avoid, and then Churchwick dives up in the air to hit it with Razor Leaf again, but Cherubi is quickly able to fire off another solar beam. Uh, and this part was kind of weird to me because Ash had just seen how quickly it was able to use Solar Beam, and you could you could hear some of Ash's in their monologue saying, "Oh, Solar Beam takes a while to charge up." So I might have like given this more of a break if he hadn't just seen Jeremy Cher- use Solar Beam. So that was a little frustrating for me.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Uh, I think they were going the route of solar beam like needs to recharge in order to be used again, instead of it needs to charge to begin with like hyper beam. Yeah, exactly. So it was more of like a, they used it, treated it as a hyper beam situation. Like, Oh, it can't be used back to back. Um, even though that's not its mechanic in game.
0: Right. Yeah. I I think they're stretching it a little bit there and it, it kind of works out in the end, but um, just a minor detail that seemed kind of inconsistent given they're trying to explain Sunny Day being up for chlorophyll and also letting Chirubi fire off in ashes logic. But as Turtwig's hit straight on by the solar beam, he actually recalls it back into its Pokeball and is just able to avoid a magical leaf that Chirubi fires at it. And this is where we get one of the first references that I appreciated this time around a bit more, being that Gardenia says, oh, good, th- like, that's smart of you, Ash, to recall your Pokemon, because otherwise, you might, uh, in another situation, you may have just kept going at it and kind of brute forcing your way through the battle. Which is what he did with Staravia versus Gardenia's Churchwig back in the forest.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because... That makes sense because he had like the type advantage. So you would think like, well, we just have to land one good hit and we'll Mm -hmm. be good. Um, But in this situation, it definitely makes sense to recall.
0: Yeah, his caution is actually well merited here and uh, it lets him kind of regroup himself and send out his next Pokemon, which is Staravia, actually.
1: So before we go on to that next Pokemon, I was going to ask you a question uh sure. what did weather present itself in the anime
0: prior to this
1: i would assume so
0: yeah I, I think at least in relation to like solar beam uh it's definitely been something that they mentioned it's like oh if it's sunny out or if it's rainy like that's going to prevent that from happening but i don't think things like chlorophyll were explicitly mentioned before it was just more of
1: Ash's lack of understanding of weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of caught me off guard. But again, yeah. I haven't watched it all, like all the um, seasons before this. So I don't know if it's like never really come up and they're just starting to introduce weather now
0: or uh, if they're making like a bigger emphasis of it. I don't know. It might be because I'm pretty sure he's had to think about it in the past, given that given that he's had solar beam as a factor uh, for his Bulbasaur, at least. Okay. Yeah. But in terms of actual ability Chlorophyll, he this is actually one of the first times we see it used in the anime. And, like, ever. it's And there's only three instances actually listed on this. One, Gardenia's Cherubi. Two, Ramos's Jumpluff in the Kalos region. And three, Ramos is weeping bell in the Kalos region.
1: Spoilers for Kalos. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So apparently it's not a very popular ability for them to show off here in the anime. But uh, this is the first time that we see it, interestingly enough. I think he should know a bit more about weather, back to your point. Uh, Especially that since he's had Pokemon that use the weather in in some way uh, of battling before. But he then brings out Staravia, as I mentioned earlier, and Staravia's already kind of uh, ready to go as it dodges some solar beams, but it can't land a hit itself as it tries to go in for Cherubi with a wing attack. And it's then chased down by Magical Leaf, which Ash says to avoid by flying straight up and out of range of the Magical Leaf. Uh, and this is actually part of ash's bigger strategy at this point as he tells staravia to descend slowly from the sky what do you think about that tactic on ash's part i didn't
1: know what was going to be happening next i couldn't really think of anything that like descending slowly would help with um but it makes sense like once once you see what he did and so prior to this uh i believe the cheruby tried to use solar beam again but the sun went away
0: Yes, that's true. I I skipped over that part. Um, It was charging up, but then there's a cloud about to cover it, and that's when Godinia says to switch to Magical Leaf instead. Uh, And I think that's where we see Ash's quick thinking and improvisation come into play, as he has Staravia come down, and this part was a little unclear to me. If he was doing that to prevent Cherubi from getting direct sunlight by having Staravia's shadow block it, or if he was counting on the sun behind Staravia to blind Cher- Cherubi as it tries to attack it.
1: So I think it's probably more the second one because uh, Cherubi's face was, like, squinting. hmm Like, its eyes were hurting. Um, and so that's actually, like, a really big tactic in uh, sports or or just things like that where um, you want to, or like even like dogfights in in airplanes, like you want to attack from the sun behind you so that when they're mm. looking into it or trying to find you, it's a lot harder to see. Interesting.
0: So it's a very deliberate blinding technique.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. Um, another thing is like if you kick a football up in, in the air, and you're trying to catch it. And the stadium lights are like it's right behind the stadium lights, or vice versa. The stadium lights are right behind the football. It's so hard to see that thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So he's taking some uh, some uh, sports and war techniques <laughs> into battle. <Yes. laughs> That's funny, and it works out for him actually, as he has Starivic come down, hit Chirubee with a wig attack follow up with a quick attack, and then completely just destroy it with Aerial Ace. in a very decisive victory for that match, which I thought was cool. Uh, and then it's down to 2-3, to with Gardenia being down one Pokemon and Nash having all three. And then she brings out Turtwig, where we get a little flashback moment of Staravia just immediately, like, becoming uh, more hardened by by... Chorotwig's appearance, because, as we mentioned before, it was able to defeat Staravia, even though it has the type advantage. Back in Eterna Forest, it kind of follows a bit of the same beats that we saw in Eterna Forest, with Churchwig just continually dodging Staravia's attacks as we go through, and it's actually part of a bigger plan as Ash is able to trap the Turtwig in a tree because it keeps just jumping backwards blindly and doesn't see that there is a small space behind it where it's been cornered. And that's where Ash, I believe, goes in for a quick attack or an aerial ace and does some major damage on the Turtwig, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it was an aerial ace for that stab damage.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And super effective. Actually, Uh, it might be a normal flying
1: also, so quick attack, I don't know. Yes. Who cares? It's a bird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
1: a bird, yeah. Normal uh,
0: Pokemon. So either way,
1: it's stab. But anyway, it, continue.
0: It, it'll get the booster. And then it tries to go in for more damage with the wing attack, but it uses Leech Seed to actually stop it in its tracks. This immobilizes Staravia enough for churchwick to go in for a tackle and knock it out. So... Ash loses his uh, biggest advantage in this battle because all that's left is Turtwig and Apom. since we see Pikachu in the stands for this battle. What do you think about Star getting knocked out so early? I think that's
1: fine. I like that it got some damage off before it went out. You know, it mm-hmm. went down swinging. So I feel like that's fine. I figured it was going to come down to a Turtwig-Turtwig uh, battle. At least for a little bit. Speaking of which, those those cold cuts, man, they uh, cold takes, cold cuts, whatever. I think cold cuts are, are cold me- opens, <laughs> cold opens, yeah, okay, whatever it's called. Edit that out. I'm hungry, <laughs> I know. I, I well, I, I am, but um, <laughs> so anyway, cold cuts, yeah, yeah, the no, cold, cold opens. <laughs> um, man, it was just so dumb. Like, it gives away who fights who in the battle. Mm. Or at least for for some of it. Wasn't it just
0: Turtwig and Turtwig in that cool open?
1: I think so, but it like was showing off the moves and everything. So as oh, soon as you okay. see the Turtwig come out, um, Gardenia's Turtwig, like you know his tur- Turtwig's going to come out eventually somehow. So you know mm, that okay. either he's going to swap out his Pokemon, uh, this Staravia, or it's going to get knocked out, which is pretty likely. I just don't find those
0: necessary. It's weird because the last episode didn't have one at all. It's like a strange choice for them to return back to it in this case. I mean, I do appreciate they didn't show Gardenia's last Pokemon, which would have been the big spoiler. That's true.
1: I can appreciate that.
0: Yeah, overall, that that wasn't super necessary, especially for a fairly condensed battle that happens throughout this episode. And this whole thing is kind of paralleled by Team Rocket's plot to dig their way into the gym. Might as well like talk about this and get it out of the way because <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's just a small thing that I I I had like a minor thought about because it, it relates to the games, but not super in depth. So they try to dig their way into the gym, but actually find themselves in underground tunnel of networks where they find a underground miner person who just assumes they're treasure hunters and recruits them to join his excavation for rare items. And as they're digging along, he finds he's like coming behind them and collecting stuff that they dig up. He finds red spears, actually. And they get more excited and keep digging. So This is actually one of the common items that you can find using the feature in the Diamond and Pearl and Platinum games called the Underground, where you can go around and dig in certain places and find items like these spheres of different colors and sizes, fossils and plates that are kind of like the Arceus plates that you use to change its typing, among other things as well. But what do you think about this, like, little side story following Team Rocket in the Underground?
1: Uh, So I'm usually pretty harsh on Team Rocket, but I enjoyed it in this one.
0: Really? Uh, Okay. Yeah, I liked...
1: um, So I figured it was a part of the game. I don't know how much a part, uh, but I figured that there was something to do with the gems in the game. So I'd like to hear more and more about that in, in a little bit. But I liked seeing Team Rocket, like, get used because mm. usually they're trying to use people and they didn't even realize <laughs> oh, yes. they were getting used. Uh, they were the ones being scared. Like case. E- exactly. And they're like, man, we are so great at digging. <laughs> we're always digging holes. And then they get all those gems and this dude's just getting rich off of them
0: yeah they're completely oblivious to the fact that he's clearly pulling and ripping them off at the end of this
1: like i really expected them to get like a little bit of a cut like an unfair amount of the cut instead he just buys (laughs) them ramen and calls it good and leaves with everything
0: oh man yeah he's uh (laughs) he's quite the scammer here yeah he's the real bad guy of the story (laughs) right (laughs) the villain that no one saw coming Either what's an interesting, fun fact about this character? What's that? He is related to someone that we've seen already in the show. In this season.
1: Oh, the the professor? Uh, Rowan? No. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, I think they kind of look the same. It's been a while since I've seen him, but...
0: Uh, pff, we man. talked about it a little
1: earlier this episode. Mando? No. Nacho? No. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> man, I don't know. Just tell me. He is... According to Bulbapedia, the grandfather of Rourke, the really? Orberg City gym leader. Oh, because
1: he was doing fossils and
0: everything. Exactly. Yeah. So the archeolog- archaeological side of the family is coming from him, apparently. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I. does make it feel a little odd, though, that he's the one kind of (laughs) pulling the wool over Team Rocket's eyes here. In the games, you actually talk to, to receive something called the Explorer Kit. And that's what lets you go into the underground, pretty much anywhere in the overworld. But it opens up a, like, black hole, basically where you're standing. And takes the player to this underground area where you can walk around, uh, create a base, and look at different areas to kind of collect items by doing a little mini game using the touch screen. Is it like engaging content? I think it's fun as a nice break from what's going on. And it does let you do some things to help you. Um, enhance your team actually in, in just overall playthroughs of the game because the spears that you collect for different colors at least in platinum you can exchange those for moves that you learn that would otherwise you couldn't get for your pokemon so they're okay, kind of like the so- currency for move tutors and it also gives you hard skills for just regular move reminders perfect uh, yeah i was going to
1: ask if they were a, a form of currency so that's cool
0: Yeah, and you can also get the fossils this way, so you can still keep digging and get multiple fossils, uh, not just, like, the one fossil that you typically get per game.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out in the remakes if they're uh, faithful enough to bring that in.
0: Yeah, I feel like they will. We kind of saw a clip of it in, in the trailer that we saw for Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, but it will be interesting because... They kind of had it split across two screens, two screens. So I'm wondering how they'll kind of put the UI into one screen. And the fun thing about it is that if you are connected to the internet, uh, well, I think it's more for local play actually. You could go around and steal flags from your friends' bases and add it to your total. So, kind of like what we see in. Um, the Hoenn games, where you can have bases and get flags from other people, those increase your rank, and you go from, like, bronze to silver to gold and platinum, and you get different rewards, actually, from this uh, underground man, and ha- depending on how many flags you've collected.
1: You'll definitely have to tell me more about bases at a later time, because I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, because you skipped uh,
0: most of Hoenn as well, right?
1: Yeah, I pl- I played it. I don't remember if I ever beat the Elite Four, if I even got all eight badges. Uh, I just remember playing it. I think there was, like, a rainy town and there's like, a forest. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like I it... was... <laughs>
1: that's, that's about, like, all I remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun time. But going back to the battle here, we see Ash bring out his own turtwig uh, to take on Gardenia's turtwig. And immediately, Gardenia's excited uh, to see Turtwig come back to the battle. And then we get a kind of competition between the two with Speed and then Gardenia immobilizing Ash Turtwig using Leech Seed again to drain his energy just like they did back in the forest. But Ash is quick to tell Turtwig to recover using Synthesis, which will heal him. And it's able to dodge a Leaf Storm from Gardenia as it uses Synthesis. And heals itself in the process, uh, and then is able to actually hit Turtwig himself using Razor Leaf, and it kind of just concludes with both Turtwigs running at each other using Tackle, and Gardenia's Turtwig actually becoming the one to no- get knocked out, and that kind of ends the like Turtwig Turtwig rivalry that they kind of had go in there. But what did you think about that kind of climax for Turtwig's little arc?
1: Yeah, I think it was fine. Um, I feel like this early on, like just how much they're using tackle just doesn't make for super engaging battles, uh, at least when they keep using tackle. But I felt like it was fine. It showed like the stubbornness of Turtwig and not wanting to give up. Because uh, at the end, when they were both, when they both tackled each other, they showed mm-hmm. Ashes first, and his Turtwig looked like it was about to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gardenias did and then the spinning eyes came out so i was like oh okay <laughs> it's done um so i think it was nice to just kind of show
0: the victory for ashes Turtwig and just like it's stubbornness as well that that is the part that i think disappoints me the most is just that they finish it by using tackle both <laughs> like they like there has to be a more climactic move here <laughs> It would have been cool if maybe Ash's Turtwig learned a new move here, uh, like Solar Beam or something, and that faced off against Turtwig's Leaf Storm to kind of make it a bit more flashy of a finish. But this is a fine one as well that I'll take. I also noticed the moves, as you mentioned before, and Gardenia's Turtwig knows Leech Seed, Leaf Storm, Bite, and Tackle, and Ash's Turtwig knows Bite, Tackle, Razor Leaf, and Synthesis. So it was nice to see that they didn't have the exact same moveset, especially showing some of the different ways that Grass-types can be used in battle. But yeah, this does take us to Gordinia's final Pokemon, which is Roserade. Did you expect this to be her ace?
1: No, I didn't. I was, yeah, I was really surprised.
0: Ooh, was there another Pokemon you had in mind?
1: no. I guess I wasn't really thinking about it too much, but I was really surprised to see Roserade, uh, but I was happy to see it.
0: Yeah, it's nice. We've seen this once before uh, at the Floroma town, and I always think it's kind of cool when it's also an evo- a third-stage evolution, actually, uh, and one that also got a baby form introduced this gen. So uh, it's already like technically could be viewed as a very powerful Pokemon to be facing at the second gym already. Yeah.
1: I definitely thought that too.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: you're not missing around. Like you're, you're a legit trainer, but we, you know, we talked about this last time about her. Mm-hmm. Turtwigs level would have to be, I think it was like 48 or something. Yes. Like that. Um, so it could have leaf storm. Right. So we know that she's a pretty good trainer.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I was going to point that out as well. We know by just from Turtrix's moveset that that she already has a really strong Pokemon that's not even fully evolved, and now we're looking at one of hers that is. So I thought that was interesting to see as well. And it is accurate to the games as well. Uh, If you're wondering about her roster, in Diamond and Pearl, she has the exact same roster that we see here, and in Platinum, her Truby's actually evolved and is a Cherim. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So a somewhat challenge of a team, actually, if you aren't prepared for grass types, um, which I wasn't, as someone who picked Piplup in the games and had, like, a Staravia, but that was it coming into this battle. Oops. Yeah. Should have should figured out to use one of the many fire types in this region before getting to this part of the game. <laughs> uh, but Gardenia sends out Roserade, and Turtric tries to go in for a tackle. And Gordinha whispers to Roseray to use Grass Knot and is able to trip Turtwig in a very incognito fashion.
1: Yeah, it was the whispering just to make it so that, like, they wouldn't know where to look for the little bows to be tied in the grass to trip them?
0: Yeah, I think it was so... They don't know that that's the move they're going to use because if, if she hears... If Ashes Turtwig hears grass knot he might be more susceptible to like looking around for this uh knot in the grass that's trying to trip him.
1: okay so it's it's not so much like a a move that's flying towards them it's something that they kind of trip into
0: yes they just like summon it uh basically but you see things like that a lot in the pokemon manga actually where they like reveal, oh, I used this move like a minute ago or something, and uh, you didn't know, but it's what's protecting me at this moment or something. So I thought that was a kind of cool tactic on Can it, though. No. Cards face down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very much a Yu-Gi-Oh moment. Um, but the manga battles for anything are really good in general. So highly recommend reading that if you want some cool battles. Um, they get very brutal, actually. Uh, but no, in this that, case, that interests me. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's the next podcast. You and me, uh, all 500 volumes of <laughs> the Pokemon manga.
1: Oh man, it's a date, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. Pokemon Adventures. And uh, as Turtwig trips, she, I believe, just uses she just uses Weather Ball, right? And it knocks out. Churchwick, because it's a yeah. fire-type move in this Lights it weather. on fire. <laughs> kind of like Chimchar using Flame Wheel as we saw earlier. Um, well, just real quick, shout-out to
1: Greg and uh, JM for two of their favorite Pokemons here mm, battling it mm-hmm. out.
0: Very true, yes. That's why we couldn't have them on this episode, because there would be too much <laughs> politics going on. <laughs>
1: You can't have, like, a three-hour
0: podcast on <laughs> oh, no. one episode. Exactly. After this, it's down to Ash's final Pokemon, which is a Pom. And uh, this is interesting because looking at this roster, Ash actually uses Pokemon that, in the games, you can have obtained at this point. You can choose Churchwick as your starter, catch a Starly, and then catch an Apom at the honey tree. So this is actually getting me a little inspired to maybe do a playthrough where I go through the game using just Ash's roster from the show.
1: Oh, that would be a fun playthrough.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of other regions where that works well. And so far, this has been the best one for that in terms of its structure. Yeah, Even though they kind of cheated by bringing Apom over from Battle Frontier, I still think it was kind of a cool... Uh, detail that they might have had in mind and apom comes in in a very showy fashion actually where dawn actually comments that i don't think apom realizes that it's not in a pokemon contest and it's in a gym battle yeah i really liked that oh really was it something yeah. that you kind of associate with apom at this point or were you expecting it at all uh, no, I wasn't expecting it, but when
1: Apon came out and was like, Oh, okay, you wanna be <laughs> you wanna be a star, you wanna, you know, perform right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, gonna use the opportunity to be in the spotlight, uh, one way or another. But it's trying to get out of Roserade's crosshairs actually, as it uses double team to charge at Roserade in a very like <laughs> funny fashion, I wanna say, because they're kind of like Somewhat quickly walking towards Roserade, and Gardenia says to use Grass Knot to trip all of the duplicates, which just causes them to d- disappear as soon as they make contact. And then Apom, once everyone else is clear, just runs up to the <laughs> the Grass Knot and, like, just does a little hop <laughs> to get to the other side.
1: That was a very uh, Naruto moment for me. <laughs> it was like Shadow Clone Jutsu and then. All the clones are getting hit by the attack and then the real Naruto comes out from like behind the puff of smoke and you know lands a big old blow.
0: Yeah, and it it's just so slow that that's what I found funny about it. That's like maybe if it were faster I would get the tension here, but like it's very it's very toned down, especially with A pound's big smile.
1: Yeah. It's like when you're uh you're like cornered by bullies or something and they're just like taking one step at a time. Mm-hmm. That's how slow they were going.
0: Yeah, like no rush whatsoever. And Apom's able to just hit Roserade right in the face with a focus punch uh, after this. Uh, So (laughs) it was just a weird little moment that (laughs) that I found kind of funny. Uh, And then Apom goes on the defensive here as it leaps through the trees to avoid magical leaf by kind of using that as a shield to block it. Uh, and then tries to go in for a focus punch again. But Roserade uses everyone's favorite HM, Flash, and blinds the Aipom.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised by that. Like, I didn't even know that was a, still a thing. Um, <laughs> gosh, in Gen 1, you know where you needed Flash to get through that dark tunnel? hmm Well, I was a really dumb kid. Well, I don't know, actually. I was probably a smart kid. But I was a kid.
0: you were
1: a child yes a child when when i was playing red and blue and us kids didn't think about or didn't know about getting flash because we probably didn't read people telling us we need a hm to use flash anyway so people used to bring their game boys to school and then during recess i would walk through the dark cave for them with no flash because oh, I, I was guess. like so used to playing it by sound. Because uh, I don't know how, how it is in the newer games, but when you would walk into a wall, you could hear like a certain d- 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 noise. Right. Uh, and so I would just go by sound to get th- people through the dark cave. Uh, That's hilarious. So again, Flash, just a completely
0: useless move. <laughs> so bad. Uh, and this, Jen, is the one that actually made Flash a. I feel like Flash was actually a TM in this gen. Okay. And then later on they made it an HM again. So I don't know why they made that choice, but um What did you think about Roserade pulling this out out of the blue?
1: Looking at it from like someone who knows the game well and not so much the anime, I didn't like it just because it's such a useless move.
0: So bad. <laughs> But here it's pretty effective in blinding APOM, actually. Exactly.
1: So in the anime, the way that you can you can use something like that is a lot more creative and effective. Mm-hmm. So I think the anime just gives you more more room to use moves like that that you might think are pretty pointless.
0: Right. There's like some creative lessons in how they incorporate into the battle, which I really enjoy. And just looking at the history of flash this was the first gen where it became a tm and stay the tm going forward okay so i was wrong there it's no longer an hm but you know everyone has Wait. their trauma with it from its history at least if you taught it
1: flash for taught a pokemon flash just for a little bit you could change it back easily yes exactly that is the worst part about flash
0: mhm it's just useless and you can't get rid of it for a long time here it is more useful though, as you mentioned before, Roserade's able to blind Apom and it just keeps missing focus punches and then it hits it with some magical leaves. Uh, and at this point it's trying to finish it off using a weather ball attack again. And this is where Ash actually tells Apom to use its ears instead, as it can't use its eyes. It should rely on some of its other senses. Which I was like, okay, that's pretty good, especially for a Pokemon like Apom that has very clear ears that it uses. Here, uh, Apom is finally calm enough to knock away the weather ball using Focus Punch and hits it right back at Roserade, which I found pretty satisfying.
1: Yeah, I liked seeing that. So in this episode, they did talk about hearing a little bit, which was interesting. Uh, We didn't bring it up earlier, but uh, when the clouds came up, to cover up the sun. Cardenia said something like the weather changes in an instant or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then when the sun comes back, Ash yells the same thing back over to her. And she's like, Oh, you heard that you have good hearing. Um, and then when she brings out the roserade and she's like whispering this moves to it, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, okay. So maybe she's whispering cause she knows Ash has good hearing and would be able to figure out the plan. And then it all, like, came full circle for, like, hey, APOM, now it's your turn to start hearing. Like, use your listening skills to dodge attacks or counter.
0: Brady, I didn't even think about that until just now. But the way you frame it is it makes so much sense, actually. I <laughs> Or we could just be giving the writers more credit than they got. But it actually <laughs> seems pretty solid here. Yeah, yeah, we might
1: we might be uh, just giving them a little more credit than they deserve.
0: Yeah, there is enough evidence here, I think, where you can point to the fact that they were maybe foreshadowing that it was going to use its listening in some way uh, in the battle. Yeah, I <laughs> I think that's really cool, actually, and kind of elevates this moment a bit more, because otherwise it does feel kind of random that they're like, OK, A-Pump can actually now hear very well and is able to knock out this weather ball back. So, mm-hmm. this context, I think, does elevate this moment a bit more for me. So. Well, good. Cool. I'm glad I
1: could have some sort of insight like that.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I, I, really, I really have to think about everything now. <laughs> My whole life is just falling apart, knowing oh, no. those episodes deeper than they thought. Um, and Roserade's rethinking its own life as it gets hit in the face by its own weather ball, as you mentioned. And. Apom follows up with a swift that doesn't actually hit it directly, but instead surrounds it in a flurry of stars. And APOM follows up with this by hitting a single star and causing a chain reaction of these swift stars to hit Roserage from all angles. What do you think about this little technique that Apom uses? I really liked
1: that. Um It just, again, is more of those contest vibes. So Mm -hmm. assuming that Ash and APOM have worked on this, uh, maybe not specifically just for contests, but just for, you know, another trick up their sleeve. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think that was pretty cool. But again, that just shows how like Apom's really into the contest aspect of, like, hey, I want to win battles, but I also want to look good. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look
1: good while doing it. Yeah. And that actually like benefits us, the viewer, because you know, we can go back to the Tortwig versus Tortwig fight where they're like shooting some leaves at each other here and there, and then they're just tackling each other head to head. And it's like, okay, so some of that was pretty okay. But I feel like what APOM's doing, which is weird, you know, a normal type Pokemon to me would mm-hmm. be a more boring one. Uh, but they're really using the contest aspect of APOM to bring out some really cool animations for us.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you point that out, because one of the things that I really enjoy is we don't really see APOM specifically practice something like this before, so it's new to the viewer, but it also shows that there's some training and preparation that Ash does outside of what we see, Uh, so some off-screen stuff that will surprise us is always really fun, and APOM only knows three moves, but... The way that it uses them are so effective. You wouldn't think that it knows only double team, swift, and focus punch.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. So I it- don't know if um if there's a reason for that. If they just haven't like revealed a fourth move, or by this time in the game you typically only have like three moves. I have no idea.
0: Oh, I w- I would have been fine if they had it use like fury swipes or something. Just like some move that
1: that's Meowth's move. <laughs>
0: Sure, but have doesn't battle as much, so I'd be like, eh, Apop could do it to, to kind of show its speed and uh, attack power as it, like, overwhelms opponents by getting in their face by that. Or maybe, like, Tickle or something. Uh, <laughs> it can learn a variety of, of neat little moves like that. None super powerful, but Focus Punch is definitely its, like, ace in the sleeve because it doesn't learn Focus Punch normally. Okay. Yeah. Even that's pretty though, cool though. Yeah. I do love seeing it use its tail in that way though. I Yes. I think that's yes, why it's te- very fun. Right. And I think that's why I teach my APOM uh, focus punch in the games usually, even though it's terrible <laughs> in that in that uh, context. But here after it's able to hit it with all these stars, Apom follows up with the before mentioned focus punch and it breaks through part of the wall on Gardenia's side of the field and is knocked out
1: it like flies across the map yeah crashes through a tree and then hits the wall and like cracks the wall like what
0: it's a very dramatic finish (laughs) well
1: you know what that reminded me of was uh the last few seconds of the contest where Apom ran out of time to deliver that focus punch, mm-hmm. but that's what um, the glamio was worried about. Yeah, it knew what was coming. I, I can't remember the trainer's name, but... Zoe? Um, Zoe, yeah, thank you. So, that's what Zoe was like, oh my gosh. My Pokemon almost got killed. Like, not fainted, killed.
0: <laughs> we never see the Rosary again, but Gojinnia yeah. does give Ash the gym battle, so it doesn't seem like she's too upset about it. Um, and we get a cute little ceremony showing all the Pokemon celebrating, and as the sun is setting outside, Gardenia uh, says goodbye to Ash as he continues on his journey. So, wraps up pretty quickly. We see Team Rocket get scammed by this underground man, who pretty much only pays for the ramen, but steals the treasure. And uh, we get Ash's second gym battle, which... Feels like a fairly linear episode, but goes by pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think I liked it quite a bit. I, I liked that with with gym battles. I-, I feel like it's better to just showcase the battle mm-hmm. and really like pinpoint that instead of like jumping around a lot. I know we did get some like Team Rocket stuff, but it didn't feel like it was like spliced in too awkwardly mm. and like too frequently. I feel like it came at just a just the right, like, pace. Um, yeah. But the episode itself, like, just the battling and how, how you said it's very linear in that aspect, I like that. I think that's a good thing.
0: I did enjoy the plot twist with Team Rocket, thinking that they were going to interrupt the battle. But then the end, they actually go in a completely different direction with them, which is nice. The part that did kind of rub me the wrong way is Gardenia's fluctuation in commentary throughout this battle because she would go from very supportive and kind of motivational to Ash at points to being condescending at how he's trying to approach the battle. Hmm. Did you notice that at all?
1: No, can you give me an example?
0: Yeah, so like at one point where is going for a wing attack, she's like, oh please, that's not going to work. And like, you know that. He pretty much says something like that to him because... He's tried something similar in the forest when they battled. Until she realizes that it's a trap to get Turtwig in the tree. And uh, there's like little moments like that where she goes from being very aggressive to being very like, Oh, wow, you did it, Ash. (laughs) Like, what? Like, they're trying to make her a bit more antagonistic. So it was a more satisfying battle to watch. But it felt awkward because we've seen her before and she's not that negative of of someone in relationship to her challengers okay i could see that maybe it's just because i've seen this episode before that i picked up on it but it was like a i don't know if it was maybe a translation thing to make it feel more like hyped up but it it didn't seem like you noticed it too much so might have been just me
1: well, that just kind of opens up the question. What is a gym leader's job? Like, what is their goal for being a gym leader? When trainers come in, do they just want to crush them? Like, do they, do they um, run gyms so that they can fight strong trainers and win? Or are they, like, trying to grow young trainers into becoming, like, Pokemon masters?
0: I think it's more of the latter. There are maybe some cases where gym leaders just has, like, a big ego, and they they don't care about, like, letting the trainer actually win and develop. This just felt weird because Gardenia in general has been pretty positive with Ash and just all the char- characters that we see, unless they're doing something to offend her grass-type religion. That's- I think it's a
1: good way to try to get in, in people's head. Like, if you're trying to to teach these trainers to be the best or you know to be as good as they can be. um the reason that your feel anytime pre- you compete though, like it, you see it in sports, maybe not so much in uh in like Pokemon or TCG or anything like that, but in sports, like people are always just talking back and forth at, at each other, just talking trash, trying to get into their head because they know like if you make me- the mental mistakes happen before the physical mistakes and if they can get you to slip in that way then uh they already have an advantage hmm. and so maybe like she would be helping him learn to control that or like not like act negatively or get emotional about it um or maybe she just genuinely wanted to see ash do something different and didn't think what he was gonna get- doing was gonna work and she was like disappointed like i thought maybe I thought this was gonna be better and then she got caught off guard. Also, you know, I don't know. There, I guess I just didn't really take it in a negative light. Okay. Um, but I. But after you explain it, I definitely can see that. Um, but I would like to, at least, maybe this is me just saying, based off of her previous character, like you're saying, it doesn't really match up. Maybe that's just me writing excuses for her. I don't know.
0: No, that's totally fair. I kind of like your take on it, where it's more of her being disappointed, and then you see that come around with surprise that and excitement for Ash, that his strategy does end up working, even though she was very dismissive of it at first. So I can totally see that as well. Uh, and it could just be that she's a different, she has a bit of a different persona when she's in the battle uh, as a gym leader.
1: True. And I also like to believe that these gym leaders can learn a thing or two from uh, these trainers, even though they probably fight the same pokemon over and over and over and like every <laughs> trainer does something differently uh and maybe that kind of showed like oh i've seen people come at me with sky attacks before mm-hmm. and it does nothing and you tried it in the forest and it clearly did nothing right so why is this going to do anything different uh and then you know it ends up being used against her and so that can kind of show some growth in the gym ah, some, uh, some growth oh <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> grass pokemon oh
0: man but okay yeah i i really like your perspective on that as well so it could be very much either one so i i'm glad that we have those takes there to compare for sure
1: but if, yeah, if uh, the viewers are listening let us know what you think yeah if you watch go back and watch this episode and tell us is it
0: mean is she our- trying
1: to like help him
0: is Gardenia full of roses or is her garden full of thorns? <laughs> Let us know below. Oh, up. man. <laughs> that's that's good. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But overall, what would you rate this episode 37 of Diamond and Pearl, a Grass Menagerie?
1: Man, I feel like I'm so bad at ranking episodes. I'm always like, oh, this is like a 7 or this one's an 8 and this one's a 6.5. Like, But if I were to go back and actually compare those, like, to each other I could be like oh some of these sevens are not sevens next to each other you know mm-hmm. um but I do feel like this one is a good like eight 8.5 oh I okay like I enjoyed it quite a bit yeah
0: mm, I think I would give it like a 7.5 uh maybe just because some of the moves I think could have been executed a little more in terms of the choreography for stuff Um. I might be slightly biased here as well because we have seen Turtwig and Turtwig before and Staravia and Turtwig. So I wish they had he had gotten a little more creative Ash or in or they had shown a bit more creativity in Ash's part for using those two. I felt like the most creative and fresh aspect of this was a palm. Uh, But Epon has no past relationship with Gardenia, so I think it could have been a little higher for me if we had seen a bit more of that development.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that.
0: Yeah, Uh, just like we've seen this Turtwig fight before, we've seen Staravia also in here, and it's good that they acknowledge that it happened before, and they're kind of bringing some emotional stakes into that from that, but there isn't a lot to really separate the two in, in... in terms of development. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, overall, still a solid episode. I I think your comment with the hearing also elevated it a bit for me. I wasn't too sure how this battle was in terms of planning. But thinking about that possibility, it does get me a bit more excited than I was before.
1: Oh, good. Uh, I just really enjoyed watching um, Apon with its cool mm-hmm. moves and... Uh, Again, like, to me, someone's probably going to be mad at me for this, but to me, you know, a lot of normal Pokemon are just normal and boring. Uh, same with, like, normal attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I guess focus punch is just a punch. <laughs> 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 you know, and Swift is Swift is kind of cool because it's, um, at least in the animation, and we've seen that so far. But again, it's just kind of like a normal, boring attack to an extent. Uh, but. They ended up taking something that, in my mind, if you would have told me that there would be a fight between a normal-type Pokemon, Apom, with like pretty much no special moves versus a Rose Raid, uh, I would say, man, that sounds really boring. They they absolutely made a way to make it not to me. Definitely. So so I really like that. And then also the
0: uh, Chlorophyll mention Mm. was really good, too. Mm -hmm. That's true. And they did also show a bit of... Apom's natural abilities in the trees by going at going through them to dodge Roserade. So we even incorporate some of its natural techniques there as well. But yeah, that is pretty much it for this episode of Sights on Sinnoh and this episode of the Pokemon Anime. So next time, we are actually going to see some new party members join the team, or at least one of them. And uh, it'll be a fun episode to check out if you're sticking around feel free to subscribe if you want to get alerted when the next one drops and as always if you want to watch the episodes with us they're on pokemon tv which you can get to just going to pokemon's official website and seeing all the seasons that they have there which is really nice brady if people want to find out more of your thoughts where can they find you on the internet uh they can find me on twitter at Simbacoil.
1: They can find me on Twitch, also, Simba Coil. Gosh, where else? Discord if you're in ISE Discord, or I don't know, maybe some other Discords. Yeah, I guess that's probably about it. Perfect. Sounds Unless good. Unless you want me to dox myself, which. Yeah, give I'm me that address,
0: do. apartment number, room, floor, all that good stuff. Apartment
1: number? <laughs>
0: I have a house. Uh, basement level, but Yeah, yeah, basement. <laughs> I'm
1: recording downstairs. With, um, that,
0: with that window for some reason. Any party predictions since we haven't seen you in a while? And ooh. we've had some people join the team. For Ash or just like in general? Yeah, in general, uh, maybe Ash or Don specifically, if, since they're some of mm-hmm. our main characters. Well, Don just got
1: the buizel.
0: Yes. Brock got an egg. Do you know what the egg hatches into? I have no idea. Really? Okay. You're the second person to not know, and I find that really interesting, given the the egg's design.
1: Okay, so I was trying to think, like, what would be pink? It's like pink with stripes um gosh i have no idea
0: all right that's totally fine you can lick <laughs> <laughs> no! oh, um, no, a tongue oh
1: no let's see that's the evolution there's not a baby form of lick a tongue there yeah. needs to be okay though. no
0: more egg predictions all right party predictions.
1: oh my gosh <laughs> do you really not like a uh, lick a tongue
0: i think it's fine i just think it's not cute at all and but, what Pokemon would be more fitting for Brock? Let's oh be honest. Gosh.
1: Stop.
0: <laughs> oh, man. This Pokemon right, is, um, it should be a good fit for Brock, but not for a while.
1: Okay, cool. I'll have to think about it. Mm-hmm. As for Ash, yeah, I have no idea. If I had like played the games or was like currently playing the games along with this, I probably might have like better ideas. But at this point, I have no idea. I'll probably say some like Gen 6 Pokemon.
0: Yeah, he's going to get that uh, evolution of um, Bumblebee.
1: Whatever, man. Whatever.
0: <laughs> As um, always, this has been an episode of Sights on Sinnoh. Brady, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of
0: course, of it was course. It good episode. Yeah, it was a fun time. I, I'm glad we just made this one episode because otherwise this could have gone a long, long time. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, uh, if you are listening, thanks so much for checking this out. Feel free to comment, like, share. If anyone else you know is interested in talk about the Sinnoh anime as we head towards Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl again. And until next time, we'll see you in Sinnoh. bye